Welcome to The Board, a podcast on Mac keyboards. The Haiku Special. Proudly brought to you by Idea 23. Awesome caps at great prices. Kibio, the place for split keyboards. And DIY keyboards. Get cracking. So today's episode is going to be a haiku special because Kevin is still gallivanting around the world. In fact, he's going to be gallivanting for the next couple of weeks still as a mix of uh, work and other activities, which makes it challenging. But I have been trying to sort of line up things Uh, next week. I'm hoping to be able to have some people on board to talk about a very local project that's been working but if not well we'll just see how it goes so today i'm actually going to be reading through all of the 18 entries for the haikus later on there's a couple of and when i say a couple there's literally two topics that i kind of want to talk through specifically but um it's probably going to be a very short episode and it's i suppose nice for us to have a light episode a bit of a break as well as i guess For you guys to also not spend an entire hour, I I do realize, of course, if you've been hanging on for the weekly episode and it's going to be short, it might be a little bit disappointing. I do apologize for that if that is the case. But first and foremost, as you may have noticed from the introduction, we now have another sponsor. So I want to say thank you to Jesse from DIY Keyboards for coming along and getting involved with our show. Now, that catchphrase, I totally made up. So Jesse, if you hear this, uh, I'm very sorry if that catchphrase was not at all what you had in mind, but he actually didn't provide me with one, so <laughs> I thought I'd just throw that in. But of course, we'll evolve as we go into more and more episodes. Now, we haven't quite 100% figured out what's happening with DIY keyboards and the pod and the board podcast, but I am sure that we will be moving towards probably having things like the Switchcracker and other things that DIY keyboards will be producing into the future available as monthly giveaways, very similarly to the Idea23 and KBO sponsorship that we have as well for all of you, our fantastic listeners. So thank you very much, Jesse, for coming along. And of course, if you don't know about DIY keyboards, please head over to DIYkeyboards.com, where it is the home of the Switchcracker, probably one of the fastest switch opening tools out there. It's a 3D printed design that has a couple of different prong inserts that you can put in to open different types of switches. And as you can see in the videos from their actual website, you can open a very large number of switches very, very quickly. And I have actually, of course, received one of these units, one of the earlier versions, and I tested it out in a video and it did pretty well. So please do head over and check out DIY Keyboards as a way to support our sponsor of the show. Now, it's been a pretty hectic week for me this week at work. I haven't had a lot of time and mental energy to sort of really dig deep, but a couple of topics have come up this week, which I will talk through, but I just want to give a sort of 
brief update in general in that one of the projects I had been working on all year has been revived, which was my macro pad stuff at work. It was nice to see a email come back through to me, which basically said, hey, we need to catch up on this because funding might be back on the table. So we had originally developed a three button kit for Science Week to support you know, our company going out and pro uh, promoting STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And it kind of fell apart and it didn't actually happen in time for Science Week because the person who was involved with that was very, very busy and obviously higher priorities took place over our little project. But it seems to be potentially back on the table. So we might be moving forward again to getting more quotes. But it also gave us a bit of hope on my hot swap keypad concept as well. And I want to say that thanks to Danny from Kibio putting in the Stepstagger Pro Micro footprint available out there and having tested it with his own designs, it means if I make a revision to the prototype, I can now introduce that into it, which means even less soldering. So once that's done, besides soldering hot swap sockets onto the PCB, which could be potentially factory done, and well, I suppose if you pay for Pro Micros to be hot, uh, to be factory soldered on the actual Pro Micro, you now no longer need to solder it to the PCB. You can hot swap the Pro Micro. So it is getting closer and closer to that sort of goal of being able to give somebody a macro pad where you can hot swap a pre-programmed Pro Micro so they don't have to deal with the programming and, and your IC support, ITC, ICT support. Wow, I'm really all over the place tonight, uh, your ICT support can do the programming and they can basically swap the config of their keypad as you like. So I'm really looking forward to being able to get that momentum going again for that kit. And over the next couple of weeks, and of course running into Christmas, I'm hoping to reprint my down bubble keyboard because I made a couple of changes after I realized that the plate mounted stabilizers were actually hitting support structures that I had printed in it. So that's a bit of an oversight that I've currently fixed. So there'll be lots of things happening for me in, in my space. Now I do want to announce though that the Sydney mechanical keyboard meetup is 100% happening on December the 8th and it's going to be held at the rec center in Potts Point. But what's even more exciting is that I am very happy to announce Idea 23 represented as Bus Gamer 1, as we know him, by will be coming to the Sydney meetup. So if you're actually in Australia and you're listening to this and you want to meet Bus Gamer in the flesh, head on down and come to the Sydney meetup. Uh, he has actually told me he is hoping to be able to produce and bring in person all the remaining Australian orders so that it will be easier to distribute and ship. And I've also said to him, I'm more than happy to essentially do local shipping out for him uh, if he is able to actually bring them. So he can save time and, you know, there's going to be cost, I suppose, in, in involving all of that. But head down, come to the meet, have a good time, mechanical keyboards, and... Bus gamer. Woo. 
Fantastic. So let's roll into some topics for the week. So the first one was brought to attention by Wallop, one of our Slack people. He's not Slack, but as in somebody who's on our Slack. And it's really interesting because it was an article written on Key Chatter, but it hadn't really come up terribly much elsewhere. I didn't see it flash up and it wasn't really thrown about in the Australian Discord. So I'm, I really appreciate uh, that Wallop had actually put it up in our Slack. And it was written on the 15th of November by Seth. The title is Razer aims for non-gamers with the Black Widow Lite mechanical keyboard. And Wallop's comment is, is this a watershed moment? And I believe it really is. So this really well-written, extensive article with some really great pictures that obviously came from Razer's own marketing department talks about that Razer has actually produced a keyboard design for the office. It's called the Black Widow Lite, and not to be confused with their gaming series, the Black Widow Elite. It's top plate design, and it's a 10 keyless. It has an exposed type of look to it, so you can actually see the switch tops and the stems, depending on the angle that you look at. And they've got sort of short caps. So they're kind of like OEM profile, but they're actually cut short. So it's it's very interesting. Now, if you put RGBs on it, it would scream gaming. But because it doesn't have RGBs on it, it actually has a particular sense of style and class. It's got Razer engraved on the top plate, which looks to be metal. And it's got white LEDs, which is kind of okay. But uh, you could actually get away with it. So it's, it's actually, it's really cool. It's really cool. It's great that they're moving in this direction because they're recognizing the rest of the community is not impressed with using gaming keyboards in office environments. That said, well, is it a little bit too little too late? There are so many options already out there available for this kind of thing, especially with custom keyboards that you can put together that look fantastic and give you a lot more options. So without being able to get hold of one and actually testing its build quality and the way that it feels and the way that it sounds and everything else, it's very hard to say if the price tag of $90 is actually worth it. But, 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 but what is really, really important here is $90 for a TKL is actually a pretty reasonable price for an OEM TKL keyboard. I know you can get cheaper, 100% you can get cheaper, but typically cheaper keyboards of that nature are off-brands, Chinese-made OEM brands, or really cheap gaming keyboards. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of pitching in at a reasonable price. But the problem is you can get full-size keyboards for around a hundred bucks anyway. So the extra $10 for the numpad part, are they actually pitching a little bit high or 
are the features on board actually making this really cheap and they're pitching a little bit low. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this keyboard will filter in through the community, if it will make much difference or not. Of course, I would love to be able to see one in person and check it out and review it, but whether that happens anytime soon is I don't know. I have seen Razer keyboards, you know, up close and personal in general before. I've seen their Black Widow series with blues because a colleague of mine actually was using it in the office before he bought a Wasad uh, with, uh, what did he get in there? He got reds because he wanted to go away from clickies and he went into linears. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's 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 a great move. It's a really brave move and a bold move for Razer because it means they're serious about conquering the keyboard market. They're serious about wanting to get into the enthusiast space by hitting up the non-gaming space as well. So you'll have to be the judge of that yourself when you head down to your next computer upgrade, buying, window shopping, whatever, and see if you can find a Black Widow light. So thanks very much, Wallop, for sending that uh, article link to essentially uh, Key Chatter's diagnoses of uh, the release of the Black Widow light by Razer. Okay. Now, moving on to the popcorn of the week. Da da da. Popcorn of the week goes to GMK Necro. Wow. Now, <sighs> what's really funny about GMK Necro is the fact that it actually died once and it came back. So in its own way, it really did rise from the dead. And <laughs> is it going to die again? Now, Necro was picked up by Oko, or Originative Co., run by Sheraton in California. California? LA area? Somewhere around there? Uh, where Kevin used to be before he scarped off to Asia. Now, so the, the popcorn is really instigated by Emir, E-M-I-R. And it's kind of been ongoing for a little while because there's an issue with the colors. There's an issue with what the colors were meant to look like and what the colors came out to look like. And this is where it gets really, really tricky. Now, there's a lot of people who are sitting on the fence about it and not saying very much. Supposedly, there's a lot of people messaging Amir in the background and supporting Amir, but they're not got enough guts to come out and make a stand on their own opinion because they obviously don't want to get crapped on by the rest of the Geek Hack community where this popcorn is going on. And Jessica of GMK Plum fame, who created and ran uh, this GMK Necro run as well, has been essentially defending the creation and the final product of GMK Necro. But to lay it down... There's really a couple of things here. You've obviously got alphas and you've got mods and you've got legends and they all have very specific colors or should I say they're meant to have very specific colors. 
what's being brought to attention in this is that Jessica never told people as part of the buy what those colors were. Never gave a Pantone, never gave color codes, never gave specific, you know, RGB slash CMYK slash, you know, YGB, whatever color system you want to use and said, these are actually the colors that will be these key sets. It was more of a, this is what those colors look like. Your mileage may vary depending on your computer monitor situation. Because as we know, monitors will produce image quality colors differently if they're not calibrated correctly to true color. Now you can get that done. You can buy equipment and software and you can basically put sensors on your screen and it runs a pellet and it adjusts your color temperature and your brightness and your tone and your hues and saturations to represent reality. And a lot of professional artists and designers do that because of course it's really, really important, but most people won't. So, and of course, that's like where IPS panels come into play because IPS is designed to be of that kind of quality. Now, so trying to not diverge too far, that is that is the crux of what is kind of happening because Necro has been created. It has been released. It's been shipped. People are receiving their sets. And Amir has finally received their set and said, well, hey, these keycaps do not look like what they're supposed to look like. These colors are way off. And this is the tricky part. The only comparison available is renders and the packaging box. Because there was no sample as such that was given with any color accuracy and because they were never told what the actual colors were meant to be no one can generate that through another source and go hey look these colors don't match hmm that's where it gets interesting so the packaging supposedly were to be to be fair was meant to be made with the same colors as the key set and Amir took that and put the alphas and the mods onto the packaging and took photos and went, look, they don't match. And then of course, the mods are also a really different color compared to the Necro because these renders that were produced, the the mods were very much a gray with a light sort of bluey, teal, aqua, not quite a cyan, but more blue color on the legends. Whereas the alphas were sort of this really pale greeny color but more of like an off off cream green and it was yeah it was looking more like a green cream gray and teal set what's actually turned up looks more like a navy blue with teal mods and more of a pastel you know artificial lime alphas with a with that navy legends and of course if you look at that you'd be like whoa 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 like they're they're completely different sets but that's render versus reality there's been a lot of back and forth it's pages of stuff it's pages of stuff and 
Jessica has basically gone and demonstrated, well, hang on a moment. If you put these keycaps on completely different surfaces without modifying these images at all, you will see that they look completely different. And, and I agree in that your lighting surrounds will affect the way that items look by contrast. Optical illusions rely on this to work. Okay, so putting these keycaps on a dark surface makes them look a lot lighter. Putting these keycaps on a light surface make them look very different again. But this is where you're going to run into trouble because it means somebody who's seen renders have an expectation that it's going to look like that regardless of what they get put on. So if you have a light colored keyboard and background and desk surface, and you put them on, these are going to look way different compared to if you had a dark colored keyboard and background and surrounds. I mean, that's physics, that's optics, that's life, that's reality. You can't do terribly much about that, except for the fact that if you were as part of developing, designing, running your interest checks, showing the information out there and providing it to the community, people would have a much better understanding of that. Okay. So I'm not bashing Jessica here and I'm not bashing Amir here because they both have very valid points. And Japanese horror writer made a very interesting point in saying that they want more keycaps in the future and the more makers that get discouraged by these kind of situations and shut down with this kind of behavior, the less innovations and new ideas will get. And that is a big thumbs up in that that is correct in the attitude that people should be taking on this. Look, Jessica ran a buy. It might not have been 100% what she envisaged and what you received. Yes, you can go, mm, look, all right, it wasn't what I wanted. Boohoo. All right, I'll sell it. I'll trade it or whatever. But you don't need to keep badgering. But at the same time, on Jessica's side, more diligence should have been taken to obtain samples, to be more transparent with the information provided, to be upfront and just go, well, this is what we're actually getting. So, and people have been making comments about how Mito had traveled and actually went to the factory in person in Germany to actually get those samples and take a bunch of pictures when he was developing Godspeed, as we remember seeing those keycaps stuck on cardboard, right? They were you know, weird colors that weren't 100% right. And that's when Mito was like, no, I'm getting these redone because the samples indicate that it didn't match the vision. So I then now want to run into asking the question, well, should there be a standard requirement now in running a group by for keycap sets? Time and time again, we hear about horrors we hear about keycap sets being designed that just don't turn out right from a whole bunch of things. There are so many lessons being learnt all the time from a lot of people in the community. We really need to put together and develop a community lessons learned database. And in it, it should have the case in point of all the crap that's gone wrong with all the different buyers in the different categories. We're talking about switch buys. We're talking about, you know, CNC manufacturing plates being cut by people, 
keycaps being made by the different companies, Signature Plastics, Zed Frontier, you know, GMK, uh, <laughs> Max Keys, whoever, right? Like, sorry, Zed Frontier technically doesn't manufacture them, they just sell them because they come from Max Keys. But what I'm saying is we need to be banding together and not picking at each other apart. Sure, you might feel peeved because you didn't get what you want, but there's a bigger picture here, okay? Don't be so entitled. Let's put together this lessons learned database, and then the next time somebody goes, you know, I've got a great keycap set that I want to put together, the interest check is fantastic, I'm going to go ahead with it, but before I do, I'm going to go and do the lessons learned. I'm going to pull it out, I'm going to read and go, okay, make sure we do this, make sure we do that, make sure we don't do that, make sure people know this. And that acts as a checklist and everyone will see when you run your buy, when you start the process, when you get your samples, when you run your color checks, your renders, all of that, there is due diligence and the confidence will be good. And if something does go wrong, you've demonstrated you've already considered all of the possible things that have gone wrong previously and have addressed them. Therefore, you really can't be expected to have known about what else has gone wrong. And that's the reason why you have lessons learned. Is this a pipe dream? Perhaps. I don't know who's got the capability to put something like that together, but I would highly recommend for the purposes of better developing our community to ensure smoother buys and less animosity and popcorn to, uh, to help put something like that together. So there you have it. GMK Necro, it's finally made it. It's on its way to people's homes. If you did get in on it, I hope you enjoyed the color set for what it is, for what you were expecting to see. And if not, well, there's always the market afterwards. So there we have it. And that is popcorn of the week. Now let us talk some competitions, competitions, competitions. So we, I'm pretty sure we didn't mention Idea 23 giveaway uh, competition last week when I was talking with Danny, but I've been chatting with Bus Gamer and trying to sort of give suggestions as part of his trip planning. So for November, because the meetup is in December, I want you to send through your top three suggestions of things to do when Bus Gamer comes to Sydney. Now he's told me that he's actually coming to Sydney and he will be also spending a couple of days in the Blue Mountains. So give us suggestions that fit within the greater Sydney region, including the Blue Mountains. Now, if you're not a local, that's fine. Go Google it up, look up stuff. Tell us what you would like to do if you were coming in Bus Gamer's shoes within the Sydney and the mountain areas. Okay. And we'll draw a winner of that at the end of the month. Um, and I guess if you are in Sydney and you're coming to the meetup, he could potentially even give it to you in person. Now for Kibio to continue on from last week with what we heard already said, send through to us what keycap sets or group buys that you've got in on that you're waiting to come into your mailbox. Was it GMK Necro? Well, if it is, should be here soon. Now, we have an additional 
competition for the month of November that has also come through. And I want to say thank you very much to Jay Godinez for providing this competition. And what Jay Godinez has done is he's recently launched a sale for some new patches with Alps on them. And these patches are, are crisp. They are super duper sharp. Now, if you haven't seen them, you really should check out his Instagram and whatnot, but they've been manufactured with a new method, okay? I'm not gonna pretend that I 100% know about this, but essentially it enables him to create these, these patches with really, really sharp, crisp, clean edges. And I can tell you what, the pictures that I've seen of these, like these patches pop. Like he calls them the mystery machine colors because it's very much Scooby-Doo. That bright blue with that lime green with that gold and the Alps written across it in the shape of an Alps switch stem. It's, it's, it's smick. So we've got one of these to give away. We're going to run it for the rest of the month as well. And it will be sent to the winner courtesy of Jay Godinez. Now, how you win it is very, very simple. All you have to do is send us a picture of where you would put this patch. Of course, you know, it could be as simple as just sticking on a bag or a beanie like I saw Alex at Pank had done. You could put it, you know, but you could put it on anything, right? But I want you to get creative. Just cut out a bit of paper, you know, mock draw this patch. And, and tack it on to what you would put this patch onto and, and have a bit of fun, right? Send them through and we'll also have a winner for that at the end of the month. So we're gonna be running three competitions. Now, of course, the email address that you wanna send your competitions to is theboardpodcast at gmail.com. So that's T-H-E-B-O-A-R-D P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And it's the same email that you would send us an email to if you want to join us here on Slack. So, uh, yeah, get involved, come along, have a bit of fun. That pretty much wraps the topics that I kind of had for this week. And as you can see, if you're looking at your timer, it's only been about a half hour episode. Uh, my daughter's been challenging. She's been very clingy, but bouncing between my wife and myself. She had a temperature yesterday, but didn't have a temperature today, but it looks like she might be teething again. So I didn't really want to spend too much time digging through and pulling out a lot of topics and whatnot. But uh, yeah, so I thought I'd have a bit of a, a light episode. So from here to the end of the episode is pretty much going to be me reading through the haiku entries. So if you do want to pause because or stop because you don't want to hear them, then that's fine. Thank you very much for checking out this week's episode, as light as it is. Really appreciate it. But I do want to leave you all with a final kind of uh, announcement request kind of thing, is that we are now more than halfway through November which means we are more than halfway through Movember. And this year is my sixth year in doing Movember to support men's health. We're talking men's health in prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and in mental health. 
according to the statistics out there, there is approximately, I think, is it four men that commit suicide every hour around the world due to poor mental health? Doesn't sound like a lot, does it? But you know what? That's four blokes more than should be taking their own lives every hour around the world because of mental health. So, you know, you don't have to donate money necessarily, and you definitely don't have to donate money to me and my cause, but all it takes is for you to get involved and making sure that the men or those who are born biologically male in your life, you reach out to them and you say, how's it going? Is everything okay? Do you need to talk? Can I help you with anything? Right? Reach out. Be there. Let them know that there is someone out there for them if they have that need. If they're genuinely okay, that's fine. They can tell you so. If they're not okay, they might not come to you straight away, but at least they'll know that, you know what? If they're okay with it, there is someone who actually cares. And it will make, it will really, truly make a difference. Of course, if you would like to donate, then you can find the link in the show notes, which is uh, https slash mobro.co slash donchu. Now, I am running a little competition giveaway for a conversation starter keyboard. And the Gleam link for that as well will be in the show notes. So thank you very much. Right, let us move into poetry, into haikus. So, we've got 18 entries, but some of them actually (coughs) had more than one. And uh, I do apologize if my cadence and everything else doesn't work very well. And being spiritual, of course, I'm actually going to ring my rice cooker bowl here. In between. So, here we go. From Eric Kircher. Whenever I clack, retooled Cherry MX Black. Linear feedback. From Geo Gajudo. Welcome to the board. Don and Kevin talk. Till next time, happy clacking. From Bart de Colway. My keyboard is here now. Feel oneness with cup rubber. Where is my money? From Dominic. Leaf spring buckles as, like a hammer, the stem fall, night alive with clacks. From Andrew Steiger, Christmas is coming, time for holiday singing. Sing, sing, Don and Kev.
from Landa Verstappen. Some bumpy blue stems, clickety and clackety. Crack goes the cap. Crap. Oh, keeb.io. Mechanical keyboard parts and other goodies. Kevin, Kevin, how? He does not know QMK. Get it together. Make prionic colon default colon UDF. Not that hard, Kevin. From Robert Carlson. ABS Hatta. Hamra Jag Helt Skoningslost. Botnandet Eka. From Jasprit Bola. Shallow Lurid Hues. Show me the depths of heaven, the oblivion. From Fu Show. My switches go clack. My fingers revel in joy. Mechanical bliss. From Joseph Mayfield. I love split keyboards. My Q frequency is the best. Clicking and clacking. From Taylor Rana Ruby. Clicky and tactile. Many will say, once you clack, that you won't go back. Why not linear? You press and go down, down, down. No clack makes me frown. From Christopher Charles Herbert, titled, her name was Navy. The cacophony, caps drum, weighty, calls to her. My letters love loud. From George Wong. A 40% top rate keyboard would be my endgame, probably. From Logan Bustle. I see new keyboard. I really want to buy it. But my wallet cries. From Outrage Pudding. I cycle at night. Lonely and cold I listen. Thank you, the board podcast. This haiku I write, in winter, stars that glisten. White 
on black contrast. So until next time, happy clacking, Don explains. How time flies so fast. From Evergreen Linux, the click and the clack of the keyboards in chorus, beautiful music. From Paul Giganti, click, clickety, click, clickety, clickety, click. Hey, you're too loud, Don. And finally, from Kim Slauson. Accidentally dropped crumbs in my Model M. Inversion needed. Well, thank you very much if you're still here and have survived through the rice cooker bowl gong and the 18 haikus, well, the 18 entries of haikus sent in by our listeners. So if you want to get involved, have a bit of fun, then please get in on all the competitions that we do every month throughout uh, the various different sponsors to our show. I say thank you, of course, again to Idea23, Kibio, DIY Keyboards, and Jay Godinez for supporting us. So, as usual, until next time, happy clacking.